Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Okay, we're going to start this episode by pulling a tarot card for you. I've never felt to do this for you before, but since... <laughs> After hearing me talk for the last 10 minutes, you decided that uh, today is an exception. I think, I think we could use some guidance. Do I have to think about anything while you pull it, or...? No, just try and tune in to me. Okay, I'm tuning in. Here I go. Okay, I'm going to do a single card pull. Okay, I've pulled your card out. Okay. Oh. Ooh, justice. I'm going to show it to you. Okay. So, as you can see, a lady on a throne holding a, um, those things called like a scales with an owl and she has a sword. And I'm going to pull up, I'm still learning what all the cards mean. I'm not familiar with this one, so I'm going to pull it up. And it's upright justice. The justice card represents justice, fairness, truth, and the law. You are being called to account for your actions and will be judged accordingly. If you have acted in alignment with your higher self and for the greater good of others, you have nothing to worry about. However, if you haven't, you'll be called out and made to own up for your actions. If this has you shaking in your boots, know that justice card isn't as black and white as you may think. A level of compassion and understanding accompany justice. And although you may have done something you regret, this card suggests that you will be treated fairly and without bias. Be ready to take responsibility for your actions and stand accountable for the ensuing consequences. Okay, I like that. That definitely ties into kind of what I wanted to talk about. Thank you, Shaman Annabelle. So you're getting pretty good at that, right? You're spending a lot of time reading different people and getting to know the cards and you're doing it a lot for yourself, I know. Yeah, I love doing it now. I always, I didn't ever, ever do tarot until like two years ago. I had somebody pulled a card for me for the first time at a party and Max used to love tarot really? so much. Yeah, he loved it. And so Jeff, my therapist and mentor and spiritual guide I guess he is now since he's not since he's taken a more spiritual path Mm -hmm. he pulls cards for me from time to time and that's what got me really interested in um in them because they were so like shockingly accurate the one he pulled for me the day after I moved out of the house last week was renewal and it was all about the shedding of old patterns and old behaviors and stepping forward into the truth of who you are and lowering the mask and you know all of that stuff and I was just like whoa um but I love doing it and it's really this deck is great it's called Ethereal Visions by Matt Hughes how'd you find your deck because I know how people find their deck is really personal so I was like I wanted I want my own deck and I kept kind of when I would go into certain stores or see them, I would kind of touch the different decks and look at them. And I went to a bunch of different places and nothing really spoke to me. Um, and then this one really did. Uh, Cause it's all, it was like, it's my color palette right now. At mm. the moment, I'm very drawn to light pinks, light blues, golds, 
and then like dark night sky blues um so it's all those colors and it's kind of the backs of the cards look like this beautiful um and they all have a sort of art nouveau feel to them which i love so anyway girl that's my story well thanks for that card yeah you're welcome justice justice how are you i know how you're feeling today but do you wish to share with the listeners at all or are you just should we just move past yeah i just uh got my second dose of the vaccine and i was deathly ill for two days and today i'm up and about i had a session with my therapist this morning and I had an audition and uh I just have this crazy brain fog yeah that you talked about having when you had COVID like I don't have any short-term memory I can't find words I'm looking for I'm I'm on one (laughs) with my attitude yeah we're gonna have this conversation anyway so my apologies in advance everybody if I'm not as charming as usual you had a fever didn't you and you were sweating a lot yeah I had a fever I had chills and fever and uh I I mean I know many people have gotten this this vaccine I I was like hallucinating it was really crazy the first night I felt like I didn't sleep at all my whole body was just like clenching up and cramped and and I was in this like state where I wasn't sleeping I wasn't awake I was like hallucinating I had the craziest dreams um and then I was just super sick for a day with just basically the flu from hell well two things one you're probably dehydrated yeah so get some um have you heard of this thing liquid IV no. It's that you put it in some water and at CVS and it's equivalent to having eight glasses of water and it's got minerals and um, electrolytes in it. Because when you're dehydrated, it doesn't matter how much water you drink. It's not about not having enough water. It's all of the salts and sugars and electrolytes and minerals that you've lost. That's what yeah. you need to replenish and that will probably help with your brain fog. Oh, good. Yeah. And then also make sure you report all that stuff to the you know, place where you talk about side effects. Because that's intense as fuck. It was really intense. And then yesterday I was getting like what felt like menstrual cramps and I was going, oh no. In addition to this killer flu that it makes you feel, you you get the sensation that you're having menstrual cramps? What the fuck? And yeah. then today I started my period, so. <laughs> do you not, do you track your period? No, I don't. Uh, okay, so we was your period due? Yeah, or you it don't was, know? it was, it was, okay. it was time. Um, I'll be, I'll be interested to see if you have any difference of. Oh, me too. Period, because yeah. I was. That's the main thing I've heard from women yeah. is that they've had an alteration in their schedule. Yeah, three of my four of my friends have had major changes to their periods. One of my friends, I think I mentioned this before, has gotten her period like every two weeks for the since she got the vaccine in April. Yeah, I spoke to a lady who's had the same thing. And then another friend of mine told me last week that she has never once in her life had an irregular or strange period. And for the first month after the vaccine, it was quite strange. We shall see. Um, thank you for your service to uh, this You're welcome. This country. <laughs> Glad I could be of help to uh, show the rest of the women what's going to happen long term. 
um, we can speak from what we've experienced. Yeah, and, and you that's know, about it. for two bitches with a microphone who don't know anything, you know, we've had a lot of expert <laughs> experience now that uh, makes us fully qualified to continue talking about all this the way we have from the beginning. Yeah, we're, we're basically um, doctors at this point. <laughs> and every other fucking asshole on the internet (laughs) it's been it's been such a crazy time i've been so disillusioned and disheartened by what i'm seeing in society on just so many more levels than we can get into today but this podcast and coming here every week with you is really becoming so much more important to me because I want to keep showing up here and using our platform to discuss things that will get people through this time. Yeah. I think that's the responsibility I feel. And I know you think about that a lot too. You wrote me a couple of days ago talking about, you know, what you wanted to discuss today. Here we are ready to make mistakes, (laughs) ready to uh, get things right, ready to have a good time. Yeah. We're going to have a great time. What do you got? Let's do some listener feedback. I've got I've got two that I thought were really good this week oh, good. that made me feel like we're not just two dumb bitches with a microphone. <laughs> um, I don't have the username because for some reason in my mind I've automatically cut it out for privacy issues of the user. Okay. But one listener says, I really appreciated this week's pod. Your words on anxiety and how you felt yourself spiral but pulled out the tools... I had a very similar experience this past week and can totally relate to what you were saying. I enjoy your insight. Anxiety, not my anxiety. I had that figured out too. Love to hear it. So we're not the only ones. Wow, good. (laughs) Um, This is actually an anonymous user with no picture or like identifying uh, name. I loved your podcast on anger. I could relate so much to bring on knowingly under someone's control and influence that feeling is like you're crazy and your thoughts are a leaf blowing in a windstorm i love listening to you and lucy and i love your wit and insight and rawness that you bring your words are so beautiful written and spoken thank you for being open and helping me not to feel so alone oh that's wonderful the anger episode was the one in which i was talking about having been a part of narcissistic abuse in a high control group within a cult. So I understand that a lot of people are going to listen back and relate to that one because we've all experienced some kind of mind control in our lives. And I'm happy to continue those conversations. I have a lot more to say on the issue and, and it's, yeah, you, you got to know you're not alone and you are not crazy. You are not crazy. You're not crazy, even though you feel like you're crazy, you're not. Yeah. From the desk of Annabelle Jones, it's not world news, it's not important news, it's Annabelle news. It really, really, really isn't important news. <laughs> what do you got for us this week, Annabelle? Uh, okay, a couple things I'm feeling slightly confused about. <laughs> Um, (laughs) this has become more of me just seeing things online and needing a sounding board for (laughs) is this normal or am I have I finally gone mad Um, so Kanye West had his listening another listening party for his new album Donda which has now come out 
Uh, I believe Donda was his mother's name. Okay. Um, and in this thing I'm reading, it says that he's confessed to cheating on Kim. Uh, At his listening party? <laughs> no. <laughs> he doesn't say when he confessed, but he confessed to cheating on her to his inner circle during his 2016 St. Pablo tour. Um, what does it have to do with his listening party? It's just in the article. They just like to throw the kitchen sink. I see into why you're feeling articles. confused because that yeah. is really confusing. Well, the thing is, is that she came to this specific uh, listening party. He's had several. Okay. So she was there, and she came onto the stage wearing a wedding dress and stood before him. A lot of the album is about his divorce as well. Um, and what divorce? From Kim. They're divorced. They're divorced, yeah. Oh, I don't um, they know. Got, they, <laughs> they got divorced this year. Oh. <laughs> um, so the thing that I'm feeling confused about is, one, it was the whole thing in general. Um, <laughs> one, <laughs> I love Kanye, and I feel like the cra- for a while there, the crazier he got, the more liking it. And now I do rather feel like I'm, I'm slightly losing touch with the, uh, what, the point of, of all of this is um, <laughs> yes what is the so point he had kim kim turns up she's on stage wearing a wedding dress standing before him and he's dementedly looking at her with like a joker like grin on his face and then also at this listening party he brings i think his name's the baby this rapper okay and marilyn manson onto the stage and they are standing on the stoop of what i believe is a recreation of kanye's childhood home okay now, Marilyn Manson in the last year has been accused of multiple rapes. Yes, it's not been a good time and, for him. Yeah, um, more so not really a good time for, I think, for the people that he raped. Right, But more importantly. Um, he was there with his, you know, look, long leather coat and weird makeup and all of that. Um, used to find it interesting and charming, but since reading quotes from his book where he himself describes sort of like hog tying women backstage with other men and stuff, not really finding the whole Marilyn Manson thing that charming anymore. Um, I just don't really get why Kanye would bring him on stage. baby is one thing. baby went on stage and made some homophobic comments and said like, you know, people, if anyone in the audience doesn't have AIDS, put your hands up or some like, He just said some absolutely ludicrous shit that was just... I think he just thought he was being like a shock jock and being funny. It was just weird, unnecessary, and just got himself into hot water for really something that was so stupid and pointless. So he's made some homophobic comments. But that we can, you know, learn from and move past. Not sure we can do that with rape, really. I think if you're a raper, you are a raper. You know, you've got that thing in you that monster and I don't think that's something you can really unlearn because I think it's like probably a biological drive more than anything I just don't get why he's had him on stage and apparently he hasn't said anything as to why but apparently it's to make a comment about cancel culture so you and I were not uh woke internet's cancel culture's best friends you know we're not really that's not really for us we hate all of that but i don't believe that 
somebody that's at this point had multiple rape claims against him, sexual assault, abuse from a woman I believe he was married to, two women he was married to, yeah. um, as, as well as him depicting abuse in his own writing, in his books. That's not cancel culture. That's just, you're a monster and you should be treated as such. So why is Kanye brought him on stage thinking he's making some kind of statement? It just seems idiotic to me. There are so many more people you could bring on stage to make a comment about cancel culture, not rapists. That's just really weird to me. It's such a weird thing to align yourself with. I differ on how I feel about Kanye uh, from you. I, I've, ne I've never enjoyed what he brings to the party and I don't understand it. And I think it's absolutely idiotic. So I don't. He's bipolar and he doesn't take medicine and it's just a recipe for disaster. And he's glorified. Oh my God. He's worshipped, isn't he? Um, I haven't listened to the album yet. I've heard really different perspectives on it. Some people have really liked it. And some people have just said, this is the biggest pile of shit I've heard in a long time. So we'll see. Well, it's pretty funny that you're bringing it up because one of our guests in an episode coming up is closely working with Kanye. So we will have an insider's uh, scoop. My neighbor at Weldon was Kanye's engineer for a very, very long time. Okay. And he said bits and bobs, but obviously everyone's got to sign an NDA, don't they? So you can't really say too much. Yeah. He got fired because... Um, well, one time he did tell us this one story whereby he was asked to remove his hat. He was wearing a fedora, which I don't believe men should wear unless they're truly <laughs> like des desert people or, you know, you're like working outside or you're a cowboy. Why are you wearing a fedora? You, you look like a fucking wanker. Agreed. So he was wearing his fedora in the studio session and Kanye said, I hate to be this guy, but your hat is so bad that it's stopping me from being creative. So could you please remove <laughs> the hat? <laughs> and he did. Well, of course, you don't want to lose your job working for Kanye West over a fedora. And what did he reveal under his fedora but a man bun? I mean, I wish it was a man bun, just a mop of <laughs> greasy hair. A man bun is no different than a fedora. Oh, babe, that was my news. It really threw me for a loop. All right, well, let's move on over to uh, the desk of me. She's doing that extra long because she hasn't made up any intro song for me yet. Oh, we have the same one. We've got the same one, yeah, fucking Okay, so I've been laying in bed watching documentaries and I just wanted to share two really interesting ones I saw. Is somebody listening to really loud music? Yeah, it's my fucking scumbag neighbor. Hey, uh, hey neighbor, fuck you! Hey neighbor! Should I start pounding on the floor? Is that downstairs from you? Yeah. Are they actually out of their mind? He does I'm in Santa Barbara at, and I can hear it. Yeah, he does it at all hours of the day and night and has really gross sex in his bedroom at night that we can fully hear. Look, not to be um, a Karen, but I think you need to call the police. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been watching these documentaries. One I watched was on the ancient Mayans, okay? And they are discovering in the jungles of Guatemala 
they discovered by using this laser technology called LIDAR, where they can basically x-ray the landscape through the thick trees, they have yeah. discovered 60,000 hidden ruins that are over 3,000 years old. Houses, Whoa. palaces, elevated roads. And you'd never be able to see this from the air because it's such dense trees. But this x-ray of the land showed all these hidden fucking civilizations. And it was so fascinating. Oh, my God. We're going to need a link for that, babe. Yes, I will post one. And then the other one I was watching was on the different phases of the planet Earth since the time it began, which supposedly is 4.54 billion years ago. Supposedly. Isn't that... Isn't that great? Isn't that great that we think that we're the ones that are going to destroy the earth, Isn't even it? though we've been here for, for four billion years? Yeah, Fucking I got a lot idiots. from watching this. It was really gave me a lot of perspective. The dinosaurs have been gone for only 66 million years. So when they're picking apart the timeline of the earth's phases, they would mention things like this phase lasted from 200 million to 240 million and you're just like, That's, wait, this one, what? this one ice age lasted for 40 million years and it's nothing. No, so the earth, no. nothing. And so we go back to recorded history. We only have recorded history from, if we're lucky, the, I think the oldest cave paintings they've found are like 6,000 years old. Yeah. <laughs> In four and a half billion years, you're telling me that this is what we, the best we've done? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I know. So I've, some people find those things really stressful, those thoughts, like thinking about infinite space and time and dinosaurs and time after us and all of that. I find it really comforting. I find I it, find it really too. comforting. Yeah, it just makes me feel calm. It makes me feel like, you know, we're just, it's just not that important. It's we're not we're that very important. small little blip. Um, yeah. Love that, babe. That's, I love that. That's it. great. I got a lot out of those two documentaries. So that is my news this week. Just thought I would share and I will post links to those. They're fascinating. Can I ask you, did they say what they were going to do about the Mayan things they found? They are, for now, just excavating things and preserving them in museums. You know, that, 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 those areas, those dense jungles in those areas mm. like Guatemala and also Mexico, they've found the same kind of stuff all over South America. I don't know that they can easily get in. They were showing the excavation teams. It's very hard to get into those areas. They're very overgrown, and you wouldn't be able I to mean, see them. I they must have dropped them in. They drop them in, and they also have locals that help them get there. But these ruins are, like, buried and grown over. Wow. It's amazing. That X-ray technology on the landscape was really incredible. It's so, it's so brilliant what we can do these days. Fascinated to see that. Thanks yeah. for sharing from the desk of Lucy Walsh. And that's just one layer. I mean, in four and a half billion years, imagine the civilizations that have come and gone. You think now, with our little 6,000 years that we've been documenting, you think that 
the technology that we've reached and everything, you think, well, you know what? Actually, because there are no other flags on the moon when we got there, so nobody had gone to the moon yet. Oh, and also we've never found any indication that there was every, ever like an um, industrial revolution or um, internet or computers or software or anything like that. So in that sense, I think we probably have done the most, but ultimately, um, you know, still like not that impressive. <laughs> I'm such a, I'm such a um, human race hater. I don't know. I just get frustrated with like how amazing we think we are. And I'm just like, we're really, we're quite shit actually. <laughs> you know, we've, we've done some great things. We definitely have some great things that we've done but like you said when you think about the fact that we've been around for six thousand years it's just like and that's just recorded history that you know we've been around for a lot longer than that but that's as far back as we have recorded history um i don't know if you've stepped outside your house recently but there's (laughs) a lot of uh people that leave much to be desired yes yes i i do agree with that yeah just crazy to think about. I know what you mean about some people finding that stressful. Sometimes I do, but it's also very, very calming. It makes me less afraid of death. Yeah. Well, that's really, really interesting. Thanks for sharing that. So you've had a bit of a foggy few days letting that vaccine sort of settle and you had therapy this morning or something last week and you had a really good chat and you said something really interesting to me about taking the scenic route in life. And I just wondered if you could share that because I thought it was really good input. Yeah, I was talking to my therapist about feeling overwhelmed with trying to achieve so many things at once. And just that, that making me feel like I just wanted to withdraw from everything Mm. and just sit down and stop everything I'm doing. And she said, She said, think of it this way. You're going to San Francisco, but you've been driving on the I-5 the whole way. For anybody who doesn't know, the I-5 is the straightest way to San Francisco. It's just a straight road with... From from Southern California to Northern. There's not much to look at, right? It's just kind of like farmland. She said, "Um, we have a very hard grip on thinking that we're failing if we don't stick to the plan that we came up with maybe a long Mm -hmm. time ago we we're scared to make any left or right turn off of the plan that we decided because our ego takes that as a failure right she said we need to loosen up our grip on what we think failing is and what you're soul is wanting is to take a left turn and get on the PCH on the 101 and take the scenic route up to San Francisco. Now that Annabelle, you did it recently is the gorgeous redwoods and the cliffs and the ocean and little stops along the way where there's strawberry farms Mm. and right. It's, it's a beautiful scenic route. Yeah. Stunning. It's magical. And it's very, um, enriching experience to drive along that road. And it takes a little longer than the I-5, but she said to me, yeah, your soul wants to take the scenic route. She said, you're still going to San Francisco. 
you're just going to slow down and enjoy the scenery. Yeah. And I thought that was something important to share because how often do we find ourselves just taking that straight flat road because it's the surest way to get to where we're headed. And if we, if we veer from that path at all, we think we failed. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can really relate to that. I think my first memory of having that realization would have been in my sort of mid twenties when I realized that I left school you know, age 15, 16, with this idea about doing music and what that was going to look like. And all my friends went off and had gap years and went to university and travelled. And for me, it was like, I have to be in London. I have to be in writing sessions and recording. I have to be working, 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 working. And I feel now what I did was I really robbed myself of experiences that would have made me in the long term a much much better person and a much better artist wow but I was so focused on how I thought it was meant to be and how it was if I didn't work at it every day it was failure and if I didn't work every hour God sent it was a failure and if I didn't have this achievement and this achievement and if I took a break and if I took a holiday and if I took a trip and I was taking my eyes off of the road and I was going to maybe miss an opportunity or I was going to lose some money or lose a gig or lose a session and and actually I think that that was a huge huge mistake I don't really have a lot of regrets in my life I try not to but I do regret that because I think that the real loss there was not doing all of that stuff yeah uh and I now very much after COVID and and then especially after the crash feel that I've got so much making up to do for all of the straight roads I took and even down to the point now where I would sooner take go off the freeway and spend an extra half an hour in the car on the wiggly windy roads taking in scenery and looking at things out the window and having to stop a lot more and go slower than I would sit on the freeway and get there in 25 minutes and back-to-back traffic. Yeah. And that is just how I live now. I don't wish to go the fastest route as my first option all the time. I know sometimes we have to go the fastest route. But I I honestly think that most times it's actually not really what's best for us, particularly as as a person, if you're looking at yourself in a way that's more than just like efficiency, deadlines, jobs, am I on time? Am I making money? Am I succeeding? Am I being the best version of Lucy Walsh that I can be? Exactly. You know, it's like... And also... What does it all amount to? That's what the ego says. You know, this has to amount to something. Well, guess what? We don't take any of this with us when we go. Nope. And all we have is the experience of the journey. Do you think on your deathbed you're going to be thinking oh yeah i'm really glad that i took the i5 and got to san francisco <laughs> I made in that six deadline. hours got there in six hours it was great or would you be thinking in those moments about the coast and the delicious strawberries that you ate and the way that your husband looked sitting on the cliff edge and that's the stuff that makes a life life is made of all those moments it's not made of the other bits and it's 
I can tell you that now firsthand from my experience with Ryan. I, all of those little things are the things I remember. I don't remember, oh, it was great when we got that bonus and we really showed up to that party on time. <laughs> like, you know, so glad we got the, the Charlie Puth marketing campaign in on time. You know, that's not... <laughs> That that's not what you're thinking about on your deathbed. Exactly. You you just you just said that beautifully. I knew you would drive it home for the listeners. Now it's about applying it, isn't it? And it's about yeah. going. It's about what we always talk about: things knowing them intellectually, and then allowing them to drop down into the body. And when you've got such a lifetime of habit of always being in the fast lane, yeah, and always taking the quickest route you are going to have that moment where you go, oh, I really want to pull onto the I-5. But I don't, but <laughs> I don't, yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's about going against that. Do you think that now having had this conversation with your therapist and you know this now intellectually, do you get a sense that it's going to be a quick change for you? Is it going to be a struggle to get off that path? Do you think that, it, is it like aha moment where you're like, wow, this changes everything right away? Or do you think it's going to be a bit more of like an exercise in learning a new pattern? Well, I think it's sunk in pretty quickly because I'm going to Hawaii in a couple days. <laughs> Good. Good. My therapist said, your soul is wanting this on a real level, but it's also wanting, that's why you're literally wanting to travel is because it wants to see scenery. So give that to yeah. yourself. Because yeah. for so long, I would not take trips like you just described. I wouldn't take trips because I didn't deserve a trip until I achieved XYZ. So I couldn't get off of the straight road because I didn't have time. I didn't, yeah. the ego was just so obsessed with getting there in the least amount of time. So yeah, so I, I am going to Hawaii as a start but long, more long-term, yeah, I think it is, I, it was an aha moment for me. I got it immediately, and it put a lot of things into perspective. Now it is the habit. You got to change the mm -hmm. habit. Yeah. The ego will immediately click you into, oh, my God, it starts before I open my eyes in the morning. I think for so oh, many of yeah. us, right? You, you wake up on that pillow, you go, oh, what day is it? What do I have to do? Oh my God. Do I have to be somewhere? I have found that so mm. crazy over this last Stressful. year, not knowing where you have to be. Okay. Oh, it takes you a second to get your bearings, you know? And then it's like, mm. what do I have to achieve today to feel good about myself? Uh, yeah. that is a hard habit to break, to just go, first of all, I'm enough. If I don't achieve anything, but sitting and staring at this mm. tree today, I'm enough. And I am a success. Yeah. I am successful. Uh, yeah. If it is a checklist of what you have to achieve today, I would ask people to do what you've described, Annabelle, which is like, okay, I have 10 things on my to-do list. I'm going to whittle that down to two. What two things am I going to do today that I can- That I have to that do That I have today. to do that are actually doable- um, that could be one or two things in a day. Just take the span of one day and see how many times you can catch yourself where your soul wants to take the scenic route, but your ego is telling you to stay on the straight road. It could be something like sitting at your computer 
and then it's lunchtime and you go, oh, you know what I would love? I would love to take a sandwich and go sit in the park and enjoy my lunch hour. But your ego goes, no, you can't do that because you have to get this work done and you'll be a loser if you if you take that time out. You might miss something. Somebody might get ahead of you. And so you don't give that time to yourself and you make yourself a stupid peanut mm-hmm. peanut butter tortilla roll up that you can eat at the computer. <laughs> A peanutia. Um. <laughs> Make it a game for yourself. See how many times you can catch yourself in a day where your soul's asking you to take the scenic route and you don't want to let it. Allow yourself to take the scenic route in tiny things like that. Tiny things. Oh, mm, I, I wanna... doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be your trip. It doesn't have to be a fucking trip to Hawaii. No. You know, it, it can be. It, can it be... is. It not just. It can be. It is, it is. about the everyday little things yeah and I want to watch comedy I want to watch comedy for five minutes before I do the work I need to do I you know I have Mm. three three calls to make that I know aren't going to be fun so I want to listen to music for 10 minutes before I do that yeah whatever it doesn't it doesn't have to be you don't have to spend money it's just listening to your soul versus your ego and starting to change the habits yeah, definitely. And I would say to you, Lucy, next time you hear yourself saying, I don't have time to do this, to take this break, to give myself this moment, I challenge you to say, I don't have time not to. Life is short. You do not have time to not give yourself those moments. Absolutely. Um, and I can tell, I can say that to you with. A hundred percent certainty. I know you can. Um, so I love that. I think that's so powerful. And I think it's so great for you. And I, as you know, have been saying to you for weeks, take a fucking trip, you stupid bitch. <laughs> so I'm glad that you're now going to Hawaii. <laughs> I'm going to go sit and do nothing, which is very, t- very, very hard for me. But I've cleared my schedule which is very uncomfortable, but I know it'll be incredible. And you know what the joke of it is? When we return to our work after allowing ourselves to take the scenic route in life, our work is better and we get more done in less time because we're yeah, awake. Yeah, you also enjoy it more. And you, you enjoy, enjoy it, it. My God, what is this life but not to enjoy ourselves in everything we do? All the great thinkers, philosophers, poets, artists, scientists, they spent a lot of time doing nothing. They really did. They really did. And they have shaped the world that we live in today. So I also want to say just the final thought on this. I mentioned that my therapist said it's not that you're, you're still going to San Francisco. You're just taking the scenic route. I just want to take that a step further and say, If you are on your way to San Francisco or you get to San Francisco and you decide that you don't want to be going to San Francisco anymore, there is nothing wrong with that. You are allowed to change your destination Mm -hmm. at any time and it is not failing. You have not failed in this life except to be on the straight and narrow road, not enjoying yourself. That is a failure. That's it. I agree. I agree completely. And on that note, I want to talk Bravo. about what, what, yes, well, it's good stuff. And I wanted everybody to have that to think about this week. And I also want to share what you've been talking to me about, because this is also very important. 
And I know you got some listener feedback on this. So can you take we us got, through? We got, we got crazy feedback. We got the most listener feedback on this that we've ever got from anything. And I knew that it would resonate with people, but I didn't realize how much it would resonate with people. So last week I was getting out of my house, handing my keys in, and I see my landlady. And obviously she's seen me before the crash a year ago when I moved in. She's seen me the week of the crash and she's seen me all the time since. So she's seen me in many phases of my life looking very different in a, in a short amount of time. Yeah. And I greet her in the driveway at the house and she says to me, you look really good, Annabelle. You look really healthy. And immediately my brain goes into panic. And what do you think I'm thinking when she says to me, you look really healthy? Have I not been looking healthy in the past? I must have looked like shit in the past if you're going to say to me now that I look different, a.k.a. healthy. So my reaction... Was that your reaction? No, but your reaction is very similar to many people who wrote in. A lot of people felt that way. So how did you panic? What was your reaction? My whole life, whenever anyone has said to me, I look healthy, I think to myself, I look fat. Really? My first reaction is, I look fat. Really? How interesting. so many people responded with the same thing. I know. I saw a lot of responses say, I look fat. They said it in big capital letters. (laughs) And I thought to myself, in my life, never have I questioned this experience before. People have said to me, I look healthy many times. And I've just gone, oh, God, that's awful. That makes me feel like shit. I look fat. And I haven't questioned it. And I've just kept on living my life. And this time, later that day, I was driving along and I thought, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Like, somebody has just said to me that in the wake of one of the most devastating things I've ever experienced and hope I will ever experience in my life, after wanting to kill myself, after, you know, long period of not wanting to eat, not eating, of hair falling out and weight being lost and, you know, seclusion and isolation and loneliness and PTSD and all these things, after the fight that I've just been through and the work I've put in every day since the day of the crash to be healthy, what is wrong with my, my psyche that somebody says to me, you look healthy, and I go, oh, no. It should be, thank oh, my you. God, thank you. And, wow, all of this effort and time and energy I've been putting in by eating right and drinking enough water and sleeping properly and not drinking alcohol and, you know, lowering sugar and exercising and all of this effort I've put in to be physically and mentally healthy over the last nine months. And my reaction is, I look fat. What a bloody cop-out. What a load of shit. I felt so stupid. I I was driving along and I felt so stupid and I couldn't believe that I'd never questioned it before. But then, you know, I've never been in this situation before. And it got me thinking, I texted you that afternoon because I thought, this is terrible. This has got to stop. 
we can't, and I thought, do you have that experience? And then I thought about girls that I know that I've discussed in the past that when someone says like, oh, it's the worst thing when someone says to you, you look healthy. And I just think that shouldn't, that's not it. That is not it. Like we should be feeling on top of the world when somebody says to us, we look healthy. So instead we're offended ourselves up offended and so that really got me thinking and then I put the question um box up on Instagram and I would say on each page of these overwhelmingly negative internal reaction some of some people had really nice responses that were like um you know, Cherry Ice Cream Smile says, they're noticing my steps forward and improving my life. It's paying off. Okay, that's correct. <laughs> Is a really healthy, yeah. wonderful response. Um, that's what I should a feel. Lot of exactly. A lot of people felt like yourself. Thanks, but was I looking unhealthy? Um, some people's reaction is very visceral and just fuck you. Like, it's a very angry reaction. Um, a lot of people, yeah, saying, fuck you, you've got no idea about the pain I'm in and the struggles I'm having. Um, I think some people really see it as um, a belittling statement. I was going to say, I, I it makes me angry and I'm trying to put it into thoughts before I say something, but yeah, there is a belittling quality to it. I know what, I know what those listeners mean by that. But is there? I don't know. I have a strange thing with with this. Like you'll say to me sometimes, oh, I love that for you. And I think that that's belittling because it's like, you don't know. I'm uh, sorry. Anna. I'm not saying like, I'm just discussing the concept, how what my brain does. I'm not saying my reaction is right, but my brain goes, you don't know me well enough to know what's good for me. And you're putting yourself in a higher position by telling me if something's good or bad, if something's good for me. How would you like people to react when you say something that elicits that response? What would be a better response to that? What would be a better response that my brain could go through? What would you prefer for somebody like myself to say? Well, you can't change other people. That's not the point. No, but the, but I'm interested because obviously a lot of people feel like yourself. So you're the perfect person to ask this question to because you feel that it's a belittling expression, which many people seem to. And I want to understand why, because I don't feel that way. I feel that it's, um, a value judgment based on my weight, which is a completely different thing. Yeah. I love that for you. Or you look healthy is like, it just seems like an elevated comment where they're making it looking down on you. Okay. And what would, what would be a better thing to say to you in, in that moment? Um, instead of, I love that for you, it would just be, Oh, great. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know right so now just what like I'm saying. A, so just like a neutral. Exactly. Like a neutral thing. That's not personal about a choice that you've made or 
I know that's a sweet thing that people say to each other. It's 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 meant to be a sweet thing. Like I love yeah. that for you. Let's get back. I, I want to get away from that comment because I don't want to focus on that. I, I shouldn't even have brought no, that I into it, it. But it's really but it's really interesting. Let's get back to the fat comment. The fat comment to say you look healthy. To me, I would never say that to somebody because I don't need you to tell me that I look healthy. Right. Or not. Just as I don't need you to tell me that I look unhealthy. Yeah. I know where I'm at and I I will handle myself, thank you very much. Just as I don't need you to tell me that you think something's good for me. I think it's definitely an ego response, for sure. I think it's an ego response. And it's a... an inferiority response you feel inferior in some way yeah and your ego is triggered and piqued by that so your response is anger and in the way that the i'm fat thing is also massively an ego response of like you know self-judgment or you know whatever it is it's a different way but it's both coming from the ego i think um insecurity and then versus inferiority, perhaps. Um, and I do find that really interesting. I think there is something in me that thinks it's sort of a bit sad to think that we can't sort of say, oh, you look really good and healthy, or you look really nice. Um, or I love that for you, or whatever. But then also I can relate because when I was having my eating disorders when I was younger and somebody, this is where this habit was built for me, would say I looked healthy. I knew that it meant I gained weight. Oh, so for which me, was a bad thing. That's where that's coming from. So my job is to neutralize that comment. And actually from the point of me getting to a neutral place with it, I would like to get to a positive place with it. Where when somebody says to me, you look healthy, I think, wow, that's great and well done me, you know, um, instead of feeling insecure, inferior, I'd rather feel good about myself and full of myself, you know? Yeah, I <laughs> um, agree. I mean, I used to hate it when people would say to me, oh, you look really good, you've gained some weight. And it was as a, somebody that was trying to come out of an eating disorder, people don't realize it's an unbelievably damaging thing to say. Yeah. And it actually can really set you back. Instead of coming to me when I see you and going oh look at you you look like you've gained weight it's so good you're looking really good why do you need to make a comment on how I look yeah I just think it's natural though I mean I would it's not like you're not going to notice if your friend's gained weight or lost weight or looks healthy or looks unhealthy of course you're going to notice it's just I guess about how you bring it up and is it your job to bring it up are they looking for that I guess it's about reading the room really Um, I just, for myself, would like to come to a place whereby I don't have any uh, attachment to comments like that in the same way that I've become sort of like unoffended by people when they make comments or judgments or assertions about me. um, I would like to become unoffended about comments about my physical self. Yeah. Um, And I think that I would really love to react to somebody saying that in a really nice way um, and move past the whole 
anger and frustration I had as somebody that was coming out of an eating disorder and feeling like set back by, oh, you've gained weight and you look healthy. Um, that's not who I am anymore. Mm. I'm not 19, I'm not 20, and I don't need to bring that reaction with me now into my 30s. Wow, so you um, caught that reaction again the other day. Was that was that like a residual reaction from yeah, that other time? Yeah, I think it... Yeah, I think it's just a reaction I've had my whole life when yeah. somebody says, you look well, you look healthy, yeah. you've gained weight. Why is the response negative? Yeah. So what So what if I've gained some weight? And, and if somebody's saying it in a nice way, then what is there to be annoyed about? I guess is my question to myself. Yeah, you're right. It's not to say anyone else should feel that way. Um, but and then there's some people on here who have sort of got chronic illness and things, and um, that was something interesting which I hadn't thought about was when you are sort of feeling probably quite demoralised and tired and like you're fighting a battle every day when you have a chronic illness or a disability or you're you know somebody wrote in who is a cancer survivor. Um, that's a very different experience and I can't speak to that, but I can imagine that in the way that when I was suffering with the eating disorder, when someone would say to me, I look healthy, I took great offense to it. I can imagine when somebody's in a huge amount of pain and going through illness, when somebody says, you look healthy, it's a bit like when someone says to me, you're so strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not actually. I just don't have another choice. Um, and the cancer survivor that wrote in said, I'm a cancer survivor and I hear, wow, you don't look nearly as sick as I thought you would. Wow. Um, yeah. And I think that that's. My mouth was just hanging open. <laughs> that's a yeah, tough one. I, th I think that they, I think that when we say these things, we mean well I think most people really mean well when they say them I think it's just a good lesson in just being a bit mindful of who you're saying things to what the circumstances are and just maybe thinking before you speak is this a helpful bit of input um do I know how this is gonna land yeah you know are we close enough for me to make a, a comment like that um, and I think that that's something to be really mindful of for me when I saw the people who responded to who do have chronic illness or have survived cancer etc I never would have it never would have crossed my mind that it could hit somebody that way um, so I can't speak to that all I can do is you know translate what we've what we've read here I'm really glad but you think, brought that up because that's such a good thing to remember it's such a good thing to remember that we just take for granted. If you don't, if you're not suffering from a chronic illness, we just take it for granted. Don't we, we forget that people are going through all kinds of things that they're not speaking about. And so, yeah, just, and that they, if they spoke about it, you'd be hearing about it all day. You know, me with my endometriosis, it's a chronic pain disease. Yeah. So I have chronic pain. I don't talk about it all the time because I'm used to it now. But sometimes when someone's like, oh, you look tired, I'm like, yeah, bitch, I am fucking <laughs> Yeah. I've been in pain for six days. 
24-7. I'm tired. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, you need a bit more sleep or, you know, oh, no makeup today and stuff like that. It's just like, God, fuck you. Yeah. Now, there's a couple other questions that I'm curious if this falls into the same heading for you. I can think of other things that people say, like, you look rested. Or sometimes people will say, God, you look really tired. Or you look sick. Or which, which I think also they mean well. They're like, what they want to say is like, what the fuck's wrong? Are you okay? Yeah, are, yeah. You okay? are you okay? But they say these things. And what is your, have, have you experienced those kinds of questions? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you have as well. Absolutely. And what, what do you say to something like that? What's your, I mean, that's different because they're like accusing you of something. So it's like I the think- opposite side of the coin. If someone says I look really tired, I Go, sort of yeah, feel I have to I scramble. Yeah, I feel I have to scramble to make excuses to justify why I'm tired. Ah, um, first that's all, interesting. First of all, I don't have to do that. If I'm tired, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> really, none of, no one else. I thinking. think people have stopped saying that a lot, you know. To... I mean, it's a bit rude, isn't it? It's I haven't heard like... it so much over the last year, but yeah. Well, because I think probably everyone's everyone's tired, tired now. Um, but uh, you look well. I think the last time I saw, said to somebody, "You look healthy," was was recently. I said it to her because she's somebody I felt I could say it to, and she had been really trying to be healthy, and so I said it. Knowing, knowing her, knowing a bit of the backstory. Yeah, and knowing that, okay, we've been struggling to keep weight on, we've been struggling to move around, but, you know, all of those things. I said, you look really good, you look really healthy. This is somebody that has to try every day to be healthy. So I meant it with, like, the utmost respect and right. as a compliment, which is how it was meant to me, like, this past week. Um, but I can definitely think of many examples of where that's not the case like the things that you've just said yeah I think having this conversation is making me realize okay yeah in an ideal world nobody would get upset about stuff like this we would all think that people were coming from a good place la 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 I think that's a bit naive and unrealistic of me to to think that I think really what I'm realizing is like maybe it's best just not to make comments about people's appearance Appearance. um and if there's something that you think is wrong um I think there are ways that you can say the same thing that are a bit more let's be honest authentic a bit more honest a bit more straightforward instead of saying oh you look tired or oh you look unwell um, you could say, babe, just John to check in. How are you doing? How are you feeling? The person's going to tell you. Yeah. Or they're not. And that's going to get you your answer. I think, I think it is probably a bit of a, like, a temperature test as well when people say that stuff. Um, 
And I think, yeah, it's about reading the room. If you don't know somebody that well, maybe don't tell them that they look really healthy. Yeah, um, I I have always taken the stance that I do not make any kind of comment like that because I don't know what's going on with somebody. I don't know mm-hmm. how they'll take it. I don't know what they're struggling with. So I just never, ever, ever mm-hmm. have made a comment like that in my life. The farthest I go is to say, you look beautiful. Yeah, because that, I do that too. that means... You can't take that in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, you look gorgeous. I love your outfit. Exactly. You know, you know that shirt looks beautiful with your eyes. Whatever you want to exactly. say. Exactly. Like your makeup is like slamming today, whatever. You know, and if you're going to say somebody that you, you look rested, I think that that would be appropriate when you come back from Hawaii. Yeah. You know, to say, how was your trip? Oh, really good and relaxing. Yeah, great. You look like you really rested. Yeah. That feels appropriate. I think it's just about being a bit more sensitive and a bit more kind of um, aware, a bit more self-aware perhaps of, of the things that we're saying and what they really mean. And actually ask yourself, what do I really mean when I'm saying this? Very good point. You know, it's not all about the receiving party. If you're worried about your friend, find a way to talk to them about it. Right. Don't say you look tired. You look like right. shit. Yeah, that's not really the way to like get a no, immediately get somebody to want to open up to you. No, you just piss them off immediately. <laughs> um, and yeah, the weight stuff is touchy. I don't know. I don't know what I think about that because I would love for myself to just be completely unfazed and unaffected by it. I don't know if that's realistic. It's no wonder that you still struggle with that when it when you hear it because you were in a serious situation with your eating disorder and people can downplay de- eating disorders all they want, but it is very serious. It is life or death. And Yeah, and the unfortunate thing is that you sort of have it forever. You, forever. You move past the... The physical elements of it, sure, but all those little but worms the psychological, are in your yeah. brain. It's like how they say with alcoholics, it's drinking thinking. Exactly. You know, and the thing about food is, you need it to survive. You got to have it three times a day, every day. <laughs> so there's no avoiding it. Yeah. So I think, in a way, that can make the recovery easier because after a while, it can just become a lot more neutral. It's not like you're sitting down at a table and someone's put a glass of wine in front of you. Sure. You know, when you sit down at the dinner table, there's going to be dinner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's a bit more sort of straightforward like that. But yeah, I just thought it was such an interesting subject because I hated my reaction and I felt so stupid and like bitch you've just spent nine months focusing entirely on your health and someone has said to you well done you look healthy and you've gone you know yeah it's just no that's not the one yeah well good for you for catching it and wanting to talk about it I think it's helpful for everyone I hope this week that 20 people come up to you and tell you that you look healthy (laughs) so that you can work on that reaction. Has this feedback from the listeners and this chat kind of altered any of your thoughts or, you know, has it given you any food for thought? What are you taking away from it, if anything? I'm interested. You know, what I'm taking away from it is that you can't take things personally because people, first of all, people are seeing you through their lens Mm. They're seeing the world through the way they see things and their perception. Mm. 
And then I'm also taking away from it that to trust when somebody says something nice to you, to not have to get angry because your ego is hung up on something, but to actually hear what they're saying and and take it in and, and appreciate it. I like that so much. And I think it's really important to look at the person saying it to you. And how they're saying it. How they're saying it, but also who is this person in your life? Are they kind to you? Do they love you? Do they want the best for you? Because if they do, we don't need to be getting angry about it. Even if we don't like it, we can address it, say, hey, that's really sweet of you to say, you know, or whatever. It just really, I think that's such an important lesson in life is like, Who's the messenger? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the ego doesn't see that stuff. The ego just has a problem that happened 20 years ago. And that's what it's looking at. (laughs) It's not looking at your beautiful friend in front of you or your sister or somebody who really loves you. The ego does not consider the source. No, ego is just like... Um, ow, I'm ow. Time to lash out. Yeah. Now we have to kill because we got hurt again. <laughs> yeah. Ow, ow. Exactly. So I think removing the ego is the theme of our chat today. Yeah, and big time. I walked, I'm walking away with some really good stuff from what you brought up. I, I know now that 10 people are going to come up to me this week and <laughs> they're going to say, oh, I love that for you. I love that for you and you look so healthy and you just you look like you've been resting a lot. And I can't wait to go. <laughs> Thank you. I love that it's you gonna, love that for me. It's gonna feel so much better as well to react like that. And when next time somebody says to me, You look healthy, I'm just gonna just treat it like I just got given an Olympic medal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that's my TED, that's my TED talk. It's all love. <laughs> and thank you for your stuff that you shared from the therapist. Fucking loved it. Let's take the scenic route and let's accept compliments from people with gr- with gratitude for how far we've come and how f- much we've worked to show up today looking healthy and rested. And yes, we're working through a lot of internal shit that we don't talk about. We all are. And let's just have compassion for each other and be authentic in our words, right? Yeah, big time. Can we end on hearing about how it was for you when you left your house? You handed um, in the keys this week. And I just want to know how your final (sighs) moments in the house were, as you said, your final goodbye. I think I've been saying goodbye so it felt good it felt like i gave myself ample time i was ready to leave and i as i have said before i was so excited about this new family moving in and on that note lucy lucy walsh very kindly and lovingly donated her piano to the two young people who are the children of the mother that's moved into this house that I've moved out of, Weldon Avenue. They have a cat and a dog, <laughs> two, two early 20s, boy and a girl, and mummy, um, who is also a widow. And Lucy donated her grand piano to them. And they were absolutely over the moon. And let me read you the text I got this morning. Aww. And she said, oh, my God, the excitement over the piano. Let me tell you, it will be played a lot by both kids. 
He's a music producer and studied at Berkeley, so he knows the piano backwards. And Sophie is a singer and songwriter who dabbles on piano. We sat in the studio last night with wine and listened to Life's Been Good by Joe Walsh to close the house. <laughs> An arrival of myself, Sophie, the cat and the dog. Aww. May they enjoy it. May they make beautiful music on it the same as Max and Ryan did. Yeah, big time. Um, so that just warmed my heart. And I thought and I thought it was so nice that we were able to arrange that for them. And honestly, it was just all love. Leaving the house was all love. Handing the keys in, knowing that they were moving in, knowing that that piano was waiting for them making sure that Harry had everything like in the house that he needed for his first couple of days, you know, it just felt good. It was just all love. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm very proud of you that you got it all done. Moving is not easy and you guys got <laughs> everything out of there. I know it was so stressful on top of the emotional stuff. So you it's, done. It. it's done. It's done. It's done. On to the next adventure. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I suppose next time we speak, you'll be in Hawaii. I will. I will be coming to you from Hawaii. And I, you're the I'm so jealous. The only thing I'm doing that week in Hawaii is potting because we cannot let our listeners down. <laughs> Absolutely not. All right. Love you. Love you too, baby. Aloha. Mwah! Aloha! Mwah! <laughs>